This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. A couple years ago, I needed to teach Aleph Bays to a group of adults, and I called up my shvar, Rabbi David Sachs from Scranton, Pennsylvania, and I told him, I need to teach Aleph Bays. Do you have any sort of method of teaching Aleph Bays other than the conventional Aleph Bays Gimel? Something that will be very memorable. And he gave me this very fascinating technique in teaching Aleph Bays, which is not for right now, but it was really an awesome technique which taught a lot of people how to read in a very short amount of time. One of the questions that came up during that class, somebody said to me, they said, you know, we realize that there are certain nekudos where it has very similar sounds to other nekudos. Actually, they mirror each other. And I'm not really a diktok expert, so I didn't know the answer. But I said, you know, there must be an answer, and probably a lot of the answer has to do with certain punctuation rules, which I'm not familiar with, but that's probably the answer why some nukudos seem to be very similar to other nukudos. And they were happy because they know that there's probably an answer out there somewhere, and I was happy because they were happy that they were happy. So we were all happy and sort of left it at that. And recently, I saw on the Safer Basayan a fascinating idea, which I'm not going to share in its entirety. It's very deep, but I just want to share a snippet of it. The Basayin says that when we read, maybe it's davening, maybe it's learning, every word has nekudos, and there's three placements for the nekudos. The nekudos could either be on top, they could be on bottom, or they can be in the middle of the words. And he says that each weir, each placement, wherever it's located, actually gives and evokes a feeling to the reader that maybe you feel, maybe you don't feel, but your neshama, in certain instances, goes in an upwards fashion, sometimes in a straight fashion, and sometimes in a downwards fashion. And each fashion has its own meaning, its own feeling, which we're not going to get into right now. But effectively, sometimes, Chazal will write a word using specific nekudos in order to evoke within you, within your neshama, within the tefillah, within the learning, a certain, as they say in Yiddish, gehoibana feeling, or a certain downward feeling. They're trying to channel your neshama in a specific direction. And therefore, there are certain nekudos which sound the same, but when it comes down to the shirish, to the root of what it does to your neshama as you're saying it, it is slightly variant from one word to the next, even though they sound exactly the same. How this works, Ayin Sham, check it out, Nabas Ayin, very, very fascinating. Okay, so certain things that we say make us feel a certain way. Certain things that we say a different way makes us feel a different way. I remember a piece of advice that I got when I was dating, and I want to share it because I think it's a great piece of advice that somebody told me, and I think that it really carries over very, very well into marriage as well. When I was dating, I was told, the day you go on a date, make sure you have a really, really solid, good first Seder. Why? Because when you go out with somebody, and when you talk to somebody, if you feel up, if you feel gehyben, if you feel uplifted, then you're going to say to yourself, is this person an equal? Is this person somebody I can see myself marrying? If the answer is yeah, then that's great. But if you feel down, 
and you look at yourself and you say, hey, is this a person that I can see marrying? And the answer is, yeah. You might be shortchanging yourself. You feel very low at this moment. You didn't learn in a few days. Your head is all fatracht. It's all taken up with all these different things, dating and girls and, you know, should I get married? Should I not? Am I ready? All these stages. And what ends up happening is you just feel very low. You're just in it very, like, I got, I, yeah, I'm here. I'm here to get married. But you're not necessarily walking in it with a certain confidence. I am the man. You are fit to marry me. Not in a gaivadika way, just in a confident way. And somebody told me this piece of advice. And I think it's a piece of advice that every person has to apply to their own life, in their own way. We don't expect girls to be learning a solid first Seder that day that they're going to be going on a date. But there's a certain feeling that a person has to have about themselves before they walk into a date that they feel, hey, this person is lucky to marry me. And if that feeling is not there, then they may want to reconsider going on that date. So that was the idea. That was the advice. That was a great piece of advice. A couple years later, I'm married, kids. I was talking to a friend of mine. And he said to me, he said, I want to share with you a story. He said, I got married. We got married around the same time. And he says, you know what happened? He says, we got married. Things were good. Then over a couple of years, things were not really very good. They were starting to slip. I started complaining about my wife, different things. I started noticing. He says, and I went to a very, a very big tzaddik and I sat down with him. And I was complaining, and I said, my wife this, my wife this, my wife this, my wife this. He says, and the person looks at me, and says to him, I have a good piece of advice for you. And until you fulfill this piece of advice, I don't want to see you again. She says, okay, what's the advice? What's my homework? What do I have to do in my marriage? So the person says, I want you to go home, and I want you to lose 20 pounds. And then I want you to come back to me. So he said, um, you think that my marriage, like, I, I just don't look good enough? Like, like what's it, like, I have to learn discipline? Like, what, what, what's going on here? Like, what's behind this advice? And the person said, go home, lose 20 pounds, and come back and talk to me. So he was perplexed. He said, okay, I trust this person. He went home. He lost 20 pounds. And he came back, and the guy said to him, this God said to him, how is it going with your marriage now? And he said, a little better, you know, I, if I had to admit, I, I, I think things are doing a little bit better. So he's like, but I, I'm not sure if I connect the dots here. Like, losing weight, like, do I look better to my wife? Like, I don't get it. I'm not sure if I fully understand the advice. So this, Tzaddik said to him, he said, I'm going to tell you something. Something that is so deep that we don't necessarily feel it, but it's really true. If you feel good, you see good in others. If you don't feel good, you don't see good in others. He says, when you came in here, you started complaining. I'm listening to you talk. He says, everything from you was a kvetch. Kvetch, kvetch, kvetch. And the minute I started hearing those kvetches, I said to myself, what does this person have to feel good about? 
He says, I look across the table. I see you put on a bunch of weight. He says, focus on making yourself feel good and then you'll start to see good. When you feel good about yourself, chances are it will be easier for you to see the milas in somebody else. And if you can't, if you have a hard time, then it takes a lot of gvura, it takes a lot of maturity to be able to say to yourself, why don't I feel good about me? Not about my spouse. What about me can I improve in my own life? What self-care do I need? Do I need to join the gym? Do I need to take care of myself? Do I need to get back behind the base medrash, behind the Gemara? Like, what do I need to do to make myself feel better? Because when you feel good about yourself, you'll see a lot of good in others. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.